0: Hi, this is Ariana Chevalier. Um, this podcast is for adults only. You must be 21 and over.
1: 18.
0: 18. Well, we're, we're 21. You must be 21 and over. And that's it. If you're younger, get the hell out of here. <laughs> Hello there. Uh, but welcome to another episode. Sorry, didn't know what I was going to say for a second there. Uh, uh, this episode is uh, a long time coming. I've had so many people ask to have this guest on the show for years and years and years, and finally made it happen. Uh, Justine Cross is uh, an educator. She's a dungeon owner. She does consulting. She also does uh, political activism. There's a huge long list of things she does, so we're gonna talk about those and hope you enjoy it. Because again, this has been a long time coming. So hope you enjoy this conversation with Justine Cross. You can find the links to her Twitter, Instagram, Her website, all on uh, this episode on massacast.com. Thank you for doing this. We did a lot of uh, uh, scheduling. You're in LA, I'm in New York, and we finally made it happen. You're one of the most requested guests. And uh, yeah, like I was saying before we started recording, people would say, oh, you've got to have this. I know that you probably get a lot of emails from people that are just out of the blue weirdness.
1: what's weird anymore you know (laughs) so but yeah so finally
0: we we had like mutual friends or someone on social media suggested it and we got it all squared away so it's really I'm really excited I've heard you on quite a few different podcasts um so the fact that you're you know lowering your standards so drastically to do this one is really good
1: (laughs) talk to the plebs
0: um, uh, so, so let's talk about your, um, your personal history of like how you got started. I like, I like the start, like in the, the, uh, kind of like the superhero origin story of, of how you got started in, in kink, because everyone seems to have a different one. Some people knew from the very beginning of their lives, some people kind of were exposed to it and, uh, and a light bulb went off. What was it like for you? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I think I was always a bitch, <laughs> you know, in high school, my friends um, who I'm still friends with to this day gave me this book by Shauna Kenny called right. I Was a Teenage Dominatrix. And he said, you know, we think he'd be really good at this. Like I was in high school, like, like 17, 18. And I was like, okay, sure, whatever. And then, you know, I sort of explored that like in my personal relationships, like I was always very open and had very, um. Uh, creative, kinky, open, kind, caring partner. So it felt very safe to do that. Um, And then, you know, being interested in it and liking it and then moving out to Los Angeles after college, I thought, you know, hey, maybe it's like time to, I need a job. (laughs) You know, um, I will like Google like Los Angeles and dungeon and see what comes up and start working professionally. Um, And I did that uh, for about a year um, at a commercial space. And then I decided I wanted, you know, more freedom and to make more money. So then I became independent, Um, did that for about a year or so, renting from other people, other dungeons and stuff and realizing I needed my own space. Got my own space, Dungeon West, that got very busy and booked because I was Mm. renting out to other people, um, you know, doing productions and uh, other pro doms, other lifestyle renters that got very busy and I needed another space. So then I opened a second one. Dungeon East so I've been you know continuing with my pro sessions and also doing other stuff like speaking engagements and stuff like that and then addition to running the very full business of dungeon rentals which was just sort of like accidental unexpected where it's like I've been doing this now full-time I guess for seven years and then yeah also in the beginning I always had other jobs like you know doing um full-time work and you know eventually just doing this full time um, and being very happy with it and just creating my own business, which was not ever my goal or intention. I have a background in, you know, I have degrees in literature and psychology. I was originally doing very education based stuff and, um, or I was going to go back to school for writing or something like that. And then just, this just kind of happened (laughs) and, you know, it's working out very well. And then additionally, like I am also a lifestyle dominant. So in my personal life, having, various forms of DS relationships or play partners and, you know, that also continuing my journey. It's
0: so. funny you mentioned uh, studying psychology because uh, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, almost every kinky female dominant anyway that I know pro or non uh, are either a uh, somehow related, to, you know, they, they were psych majors and are in that related field. Or are social workers? It's it's I don't know what it is. It's like there's something about. First of all, they're most some of the most kind people I know, so the social work thing makes total sense, it's contrary to the stereotype. But there's something about the psychology. Is it just is it that um, you see someone's hidden nature that they're showing off that just completely makes you more interested in that, or is it you pretty you've done all the hands on work of psych so you might as well just get the degree, or yeah. what was that? What was that like?
1: No, I, I mean it's funny because everyone always wants to connect my degree in psychology to the work that I do now. But honestly, the reason why I picked psychology was because I didn't want to just graduate with like what I felt was kind of like a fluffy. I started out as a in a creative write as a creative writing major, um, and it, it was like a. Um, Uh, like a small, it was like, you know, I had to apply to be in that. So it was like very small and then realizing I didn't want that anymore. And I just, I didn't want like just a fluffy, like English literature degree. I wanted something more substantive to back it up where I wasn't just like reading poetry and, you know, not that that's not important, but I just, the, I wanted the degree in science, it, it made me a better thinker, it made me understand how to read better and, and understand studies. And I don't know how much that like factors into like what I do on the daily um, other than, you know, I know how to do an, a spreadsheet, right. you know, right. really well.
0: You know, I like, I know how an experiment right. works. Right. Like.
1: So, you know, I know, like, you know, uh, a punishment and reward system works very well, much better than just a punishment system a <laughs> <right>. reward system. <laughs> but, you know, as a dom, I know that sometimes punishment is its own reward.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Well, I, I know that, like, when my wife got her psych degree, um, she, would, she would use it in our relationship uh, uh, both to... Uh, my detriment and to my benefit but every now and again we'd be doing something uh kink or non-kink but she'd just say i I don't even know a word but she'd say something like you're totally recursivating right now (laughs) i didn't even know i was doing that i've been doing that my whole life and she's like oh that's (laughs) you're totally completely flammulating right now and so i don't know what that means but, but yeah
1: I feel like anyone, especially in LA or even in New York, it's like, if you go to enough therapy, like, you'll just use those words. (laughs) But anyway, you know, I mean, it's like, I always try not to, uh, like, armchair, you know, diagnose people. Like, my degree is not, like, so advanced that I have um, a doctorate or anything like that. But it's, uh, you know, you definitely sort of see you actually know what the behaviors are versus like, oh, I've read about that in a book. And I think that's what that's like kind of behavior.
0: So, um, but yeah. So you mentioned LA and I've never been, but I have a lot of friends who will constantly compare the LA to the New York scene. Uh, Some say that, oh, it's more woo woo in LA. You know, there's more (laughs) incense burnt, whereas in New York, it's more hardcore or, you know, of course, those are New Yorkers saying that, right? So uh, I'm sure in LA, they say something similar. But is there that stereotype uh, of the local scenes being so different? Or?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it I think it has a lot to do with um, the spaces available. Um, you know, and I haven't explored the New York scene a ton. Um, you know, I've I've obviously sessioned there and visited there. And like, I'm originally from the East Coast, actually. So I went to school in New York, and I lived there in the city and everything. But um, it's, uh, you know, I think the spaces are very different in terms of like New York. It's like, uh, you know, I'll go to a dungeon and it, it tends to be actually quite dungeon-like, you know, it's like in a basement. Right. There's no basements in LA. Um, it's very small, right. you know, but both of my spaces are, you know, 1400 square feet oh, and it's like, like at a high premium in the city. I mean, I've certainly been in spaces that are very large um, in the city, uh, but like, it's just very different. Like, I remember I had a couple come visit my space and they were from Brooklyn and they just like walked in and they're like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> like, so it's like, you know, tall ceilings and stuff like that. And like, there aren't always like spaces like that available. I think LA is also very, um, uh, it's very connected to the the fetish, like photography industry. So mm-hmm. a lot of people are very like there to be seen. And, you know, it's a very, that, that kind of aspect. Um, And I don't see that happening as much in New York, Um, you know, and it's, um, I don't know it's just also different where it's like you know I am I myself am throwing my own events like I'm throwing events for women only I'm throwing events for queer only so I am you know what's surprisingly a control freak so you know I like having my own events and doing those things so when I go to like other things I'm like oh this isn't like the way that I would do it or like it's hard for me to be in other spaces sometimes because I'm like no I like my controls of like being able to go up to the bar and just the bartender knows me and gives me the drink that I want <laughs> And like you know I walk away and I know people and I just don't know as many people like in York. New- York where it's like LA, like anywhere I go out, like whether it's like a kink event or like a queer event, like I'm running into like over a dozen people I know. And that's always very nice too.
0: Well, I, I I think there's a very New York you're absolutely right about like the spaces just based on the, you know, Manhattan especially is, or Brooklyn is, you know, space is a premium. Mm -hmm. Like when, when we have friends or when people find out we have a spanking bench, (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're, they're not surprised because we have a, they're like, you have space for a spanking bench. You know, that's the shock. It's not, it's not anything else. It's like, Oh my God. Um, yeah, I, I was before, before I move on too much. I, one thing you mentioned earlier, cause I've heard, I was talking about, uh, this to someone earlier, but, uh, you said you worked at sort of like a, uh, a, uh, a, a, a house when you first started out. Um, and I was talking to someone about this, uh, in an interview earlier, um, about how it was, at least in her experience, very exploitive that it was, um, you know, a- everyone was treated like a number and the owner was, was, uh, of the, of the, uh, house was, you know, very, uh, you know, it sounded like a sweatshop condition the way she described it. And that all of a sudden I discovered a new kink of mine and that is unionizing dungeon stuff. <laughs> that's my new,
1: um, <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: but was that the, your experience as well
1: yeah i mean i've only worked in one house before um there you know it, dep- it depends on the house and how they're run on um, the house that i was in basically you it is structured as though you are an independent contractor but you're not because you're supposed to be there for a shift you can't set your own rates there are mandatory duties you're supposed to perform in terms of cleaning and you're not getting paid for that um so that's sort of like the problem and I, and i remember um, years ago, my my partner at the time, when I was in this kind of house, um, it, the argument that we would have most frequently was not that I was doing sex work. He didn't care about that, but he was very upset that I was participating in this like economically like unsound like structure, right. like where I was being exploited, where like this was just like illegal. And he's like, I don't agree with this, like you know. And so um, this kind of thing. So it was, and it's like I don't, I don't know. It, it could be different, you know. It's it. It is sort of sad because like a lot of people are coming there with like they we're not getting proper um, training in terms of BDSM in general. Um, we're not getting any kind of like safety training, um, you know. And it's like it's a good system for the owners because you just sit there and if you don't make money, they don't make money, but. Y- doesn't matter because you're just taking up you know a chair and then if you do make money then they make money but like there's no like so yes it is very exploitative and it's like you know it's um obviously and it's you're not just working there as a dominant there's like switches and submissives so you can only imagine like people coming in and taking advantage of those people like who are you know oh there's a new girl oh okay i'm gonna do this and it's like again like you know you're making um you know Excuse me, a hundred dollars an hour. Um, usually, the house is set. I mean, the house is setting the rate. The rate is usually around like two hundred. So the house keeps fifty percent, um, and you're making a hundred dollars an hour. Which, like, when you're in like the sort of like other upscale like sex working world, like that's not a lot of money. However, if you're you know. Mm-hmm generally hourly wages in America aren't that high to begin with. So what you were making 10, 15, maybe 20 an hour to make a hundred dollars an hour is huge, even if you're not getting it. But it's like a lot of things can't be controlled where it's like, you know, you can't always do your own advertising or book your own appointments or things like that. So it's like severely limited on how you can even make that money to begin with.
0: Right. And, and, and if you uh, speak out against the conditions at all, then there's blowback or you get fired or, um, you know, it's very uh, precarious work for a lot of people, especially if you're just starting out. And if you don't know, oh, this is how it's supposed to be safe. And these are how things are supposed to be clean. There's
1: no like system in place of like, okay, well, here's our structure. I mean, again, in the house that I worked in, I'm sure it can be different. There's other places, other things, but like, there was certainly no, there was no system in terms of like how the business was run. It was just like based on like whims and like fancies and like, how do we feel today kind of situation and it's like, you know, Mm. you're making a lot of money, but it's like, it was certainly being exposed to like that business and other businesses like that. I, I managed, um, prior to doing, um, sex work full time definitely gave me insight on like what not to do and also what to do. But some of it kind of doesn't really, you know, because now I have, um, professionals renting from me, um, you know, and I do a lot to, you know, um, uh, you know, sort of, like, create, like, some kind of community or, like, you know, have events and go out once in a while and do things like this. But it's, like, you know, like, everyone's busy. Everyone's on, like, a crazy schedule. It's, like, kind of hard to, like, even create that even if you want to, like, or at least, like, in LA, it's, like, very difficult. Like, getting across town takes, like, two hours. And it's, like, like also, that's the other thing, too. It's, like, it's, it's very easy to sort of meet up in New York where it's like, oh, we're just like going to walk. Oh, we're just going to go to this bar. Oh, we're just going to be here. It's like LA, it's like everything's so far apart. That's another thing that makes it very different, very spread out.
0: Well, as this one friend was explaining and describing the working conditions, and there's, there are still houses in New York City that are like this. Um, I was just so tempted to, I, I always imagine like bots Hog from the Dukes of Hazzard as the boss at all these places, um, you know, with cigar <laughs> in his mouth. and. And I, there is a sex workers union. And so I was so tempted to just like start postering signs up all over the place outside of the dungeon, just like join the IWW with the sex workers, you know, just, just desperately just trying yeah. to, you know, the old, uh, the you thing, don't, the boss needs you. You don't yeah. need the boss well, thing. The other know?
1: thing it's like, it's really hard to, it's hard to unionize anyway. Um, my father, among many right. things, like he actually was a union rep for a long time. Um, it's hard to unionize anyway. And it's particularly, I think, harder to unionize in the sex work industry because it's way more marginalized. Uh, people are there because mm. either they don't want to or they can't work another kind of job. And they so it's so much harder um, to... Uh, put themselves first in this way that's like, oh, this is going to make everything better. But then it's like no one wants to get their money hurt. And also you're putting yourself out there in a way that like maybe you, you know, sex work can be very anonymous. And for some people they don't want to have their name attached to like some union fee or union or something. Cause then it's like, oh, well, here's this list and that that. And so I think that makes it very difficult. And also it's, um, you know, because I I consulted various lawyers, because again, it's like I was in a situation where I was supposed to be an independent contractor, but I wasn't. But here's the thing, labor laws are very weak in this country, and no one really cares. But what they would care about is if that company or that institution wasn't paying their taxes. So like, if I said, Oh, well, they're not really paying their taxes, because they're true, you know, this is how they've structured their their thing, but still no one would care. It's like everyone have to individually sue that institution and it would just be very annoying to constantly have to go to small claims court to like file for like back wages or back taxes and stuff. So, um, no one's going to do that, <laughs> like, you know, Right. Uh, so. Uh,
0: well that's, that comes down to the, the question of legalization versus decriminalization. Right. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I know California has had a lot of, uh, Kamala Harris has been very anti-sex worker um, in the past, and uh
1: yeah, she voted for Sesta Fosta. So yeah,
0: yeah, that was like the, her baby. Yeah, <laughs>
1: not on my good list. <laughs> you
0: know? right, yeah, well, I, I, it's funny. Just a side note. I know Shad's going to come home, and she's like, "Oh, how was the interview with, uh, with with Justine Cross?" I'm like, "Oh, great. We talked about this. Talked about this." She's like, "Oh, that sounds great. I can't wait to listen to it." Oh, her father was a union organizer. She's going to go, "Ooh, <laughs> that's hot. That's really hot."
1: <laughs> Teacher and a stripper, so <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Y'all let right. him listen to this. <laughs>
0: that's that's how you talk dirty to a leftist. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Organized all those unions. You
1: had a <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. It was
0: leather.
1: And brown. <laughs> right, um, hmm.
0: but but yeah. So so we, we can talk about this now about California. That's kind of where there's been a long history of of an assault on sex workers there from a legal, uh, legal pers- perspective. Um, Sasta Festa was sort of like the, was sort of like the, the, it started with really Kamala Harris. She's the one who kind of really, really, when she was in California started pushing for something like this. How has it affected? Do you want to explain for everyone who doesn't know what it is and how it affects sex workers?
1: Um, yeah, it's basically the single worst thing that has happened to us ever, Um, and it's on a federal level. So it's not just like your local weird law, um, in your state. Um, so basically what it does is that it doesn't make the distinction between, um, and this is something you can easily Google obviously, but, um, it doesn't make a distinction between sex trafficking and sex work and and a lot of sex work that is already legal. Um, I mean, escorting, obviously we love escorts and, you know, uh, but that is technically illegal as of now. Um, but, So what it does is that it wants to stop um, trafficking, uh, sex trafficking, which, of course, we all want to stop. We do not want this. However, what it does is that it makes everything online, considers everything that you advertise for online, uh, sex trafficking. Um, So any and it makes uh, also the site that you were advertising on also liable for being charged with sex trafficking, which is why Craigslist personals came down a lot of like Backpage came down. Well, I mean, that's why they said Backpage came down, but Mm. that actually wasn't why. Um, so all of these things are happening. Um, and it's, it's awful because it's, uh, it's (sighs) the thing is, I can continue to advertise for myself because I can't traffic myself. Um, For me, as someone who is running two dungeon spaces, I can no longer legally advertise um, or promote other people who work for who who not no one works for me. They rent my space. It's Mm -hmm. it's rentals only. Um, So otherwise I could be trafficking them. Um, You can't advertise for doubles because you could be trafficking somebody else. Um, And clearly that's not the case. And I mean, there's so many things wrong with this. Like, I mean, obviously it is affecting me and everyone I know as a sex worker or, you know, even. You know, the trickle down effect of, you know, things like Skype, like you're not allowed to do naked things on Skype anymore. You're not supposed to. If they catch you, they'll like, you know, kick you off or whatever Um, or, you know, Xbox things and and profanity and stuff like that. However, the other issue with this is that it it, it affects us in this very negative way. However, it doesn't actually help victims of sex trafficking, because yes, of course, sex trafficking is happening online. Um, But it is not just happening on Backpage. It's happening in places that we're not reaching, like on the dark web, or it's happening literally out in the open where people are being trafficked on the street, like um, International Boulevard. There's a documentary that just came out about um, Oakland, where it's like, these are children literally being trafficked on the street, their pimp, their like owner or the person who's trafficked them is not like typing up on ad on back page. So like we're not helping these people um, at all. And then on top of that, um, it's making it harder to find victims who are being trafficked online because all the sources where they were being trafficked are gone. So it's being driven further underground. I mean, like, there, I just don't know if there could be any worse thing to happen for so many people. <laughs> like it's, affecting, you know, it's yeah. just like on every level and it, it's just awful. It, it, I mean, beyond awful. It, it's, you know, it's not helping anybody and hurting so many people in so many ways.
0: I, I, yeah. And in fact, there've been numerous stories of local um, police departments who have said it's actually made the, our job harder. Um, uh, people who were investigating this before now would find it much more difficult to 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 find the actual traffickers because everyone's underground yeah. now. And so as before, if you saw an ad, you could kind of read between the lines and that would be how you do it. Well, now you can't even do that. So now that's like they're kind of flying blind. Do you think, now I, I everyone has their opinion on this. Do you think this is a, uh, something where, when they put it put this together, they either a didn't care uh, that it was going to hurt sex workers, or b were perfectly fine. In fact, encouraged that it would as well. That it would that would sort of sort of solve in their minds two problems in one, as opposed to just focusing on trafficking.
1: Um, I mean, I, I don't know that it makes a difference because it's like, are you trying to hurt people mm-hmm. by actually? Uh, you know, actively making this law? Or are you hurting people by just passively not really understanding the situation? Either way, it doesn't matter. They're hurting us. And I think, like, what's more poignant is that this law, most sex workers are women. Most people that are trafficked are women and children. And, like, that is who it's hurting. And do I think that's on purpose? Yes. Do I think that, you know, know, anything that, like, are... And this isn't, like, some weird conspiracy theory thing. It's, like, why are we, like hurting or not decriminalizing a profession where women make more money than men. Like, you know, why is that a problem? You know, it's like, well, we know why it's a problem because we don't want women to be powerful. We don't want them to, um, you know, uh, even make equal wages. And this is not an issue that happens just in the sex and just because of the sex industry or, you know, people from the outside of the sex industry, this is still happening in places like Sony, when that hack went, you know, public where we're still seeing that, like, you know, we're not allowing women to make the same amount or more money men in los angeles in like 2015 or whenever it happened it's like that's real that's happening so this isn't like some crazy leftist conspiracy theory of like well let's like not treat women like equal or better or you know as human beings like no this is absolutely like on purpose (laughs) however they whatever conclusion or route they came but like yes it's on purpose (laughs)
0: Well, for me, uh, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the, uh, end result is the same regardless of intent, but with, uh, maybe it's just, uh, maybe I just want to know for my own, <laughs> I don't no idea what, but, but it, if it's simply a matter of ignorance, then there's a hope that maybe minds can be changed. Right. Whereas if it's a matter of, uh, just either apathy or hostility, then we know that the solution is complete. We have to replace them all, right? That that's the only solution you have to be replaced. Now, I could also make the argument that if you're going to be that stupid (laughs) in the first place, you should be replaced. Uh, You know, anyone making that rule should be replaced anyway. But um, yeah, what's really sad is how how people who were, were voting for this, people who... Even some some politicians who I liked were so scared of being, you know, stamped as a pro-sex trafficker that they just blindly, you know, voted for it.
1: Well, and again, um, it was written uh, very specifically to make people do that. <laughs> like Because no one wants to be like, right. yeah, sex right. trafficking. Of course not. Like, there was only two people... Um, like in the House or the Senate, who disagreed and one, uh, yeah, and they they were both people who had extensive sp- experience, like in like uh, or knew about like the sex worker industry and they and also sex trafficking and they were, or I should say, about trafficking rather. And they said this is not helping, this is actually hurting, this is a terrible thing. And there was only people that spoke out against it and said that this yeah. isn't good, um, and it's terrible and shouldn't happen. But um, clearly not enough. And again, it was worded very specifically to have that effect.
0: It's sort of like the pa- the the sex worker version of the Patriot Act. It's like, what? You're not a patriot? Yeah. Of course, you're going to vote for this. If you're a patriot, yeah. and it's sort of the same thing. And it's just it's just totally, yeah. Uh, that's when they say bipartisan. This is what they mean. It's always something bad, right? Whenever there's something bipartisan, if there if they're, if these two sets of ghouls ever agree on anything, you know <laughs> the bad, the thing is going to be bad when it comes out. Um. So so uh, you've been doing this for about ten years. Uh, what have you noticed? We talked a little bit briefly before we started recording of how people are more open about what they're looking for. And obviously, and I even hate to say it after 50 shades, there's been a lot of this sort of resurgence or insurgence of, of, of interesting kink and in BDSM. Have you noticed over those last 10 years, uh, either, uh, I don't, I know some people are like, Oh, it used to be underground. It used to be fun when it was underground and now it's everywhere. Um,
1: Whatever. What There's still things experience? that are underground. It's like the you know, it's like everyone who comes into it like at a certain time. That's when they think it was like that last year. It was like the first year. It's like the best year. It's like people you know, a <laughs> Man twenty years ago, ten years ago, five years ago. The first year that they went, it was always the best year that year. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely changed right. a lot. Like I've definitely noticed um, a lot more. Um, a lot more couples come in to see me um, and you know, a lot more, you know, because again, I'm answering the phone for both my, it's the same phone number, but it's like, I'm answering the phone for myself, booking professional sessions, as well as booking time in both of my studios. So now I would say it's probably 50, 50 of like men and women calling me. And it used to be anytime a woman called, she's like, oh, can you train me? I'm like, yeah, no, click. And so it was like, um, I'm getting like way more. So it's like, it's not even just like women wanting to book time in the space, but women wanting to book time with me. And they're like, oh, I really want to do this. Like, this sounds cool. Or like I'm getting a lot more just single female clients who either like they want me to dominate them or they want me to train them to dominate their partner. Um, so that's happening. Um, I've definitely Mm -hmm. been doing a lot of things like various, um, I'm a queer woman. I've been doing a lot more things in my queer community. Um, and that's sort of been taking off. And like for a lot of people, it's like their first experience like is with me or like at an event that I'm throwing. And that's changed. I feel like a lot, like where I think, and, and again, even just looking at my calendar, like it used to be, almost exclusively pro rentals. And now that's drastically changed where it's mostly lifestyle rentals or overnights or productions and stuff like that. And that's the other thing, a lot more productions are coming through where they want a dungeon space um, and that's happening. So it is getting more, way more mainstream, like Fifty Shades you know, helped and hurt us, it brought it to the mainstream. It brought it to like everyone's like mom's book club and you know stuff like that. It brought it to the airport, so at least the conversation could kind of get started, and you know um, we can kind of talk about it or like bring it to the forefront because then people start researching and then like I didn't even know this was a thing or like this interests me or you know um, it, it's like it's something good to get the conversation started.
0: I'm curious, like, what are your experiences? The differences when when you're playing with a woman as opposed to playing with a, a man do you notice different requests do you notice different um you know is something is, is there more humiliation in one or the other or or what What do you what do you find to be like is there a really stark difference um, or is it pretty much yeah I anything mean, goes
1: I, I don't know it's like on one hand I feel like I can be like meaner to men (laughs) um in some ways like I think that it's like you know very easy for me to do things like cbt and like I don't I don't think that's like something I'm as comfortable doing with uh for a woman I've not really had like that kind of request like I can definitely inflict pain but I don't know if I could like um you know be as like cruelly humiliating to men as like as I personally could to women but I think that and then it's like it'll come up and I'll be like yeah let's do it you know so but um yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's like, um, I think that, you know, I I don't know if I really like see a difference in like the genders because it's like, you know, I think, I think in some ways men, um, are just conditioned to be more sexually aggressive and know more about what they want. And also that it's okay for them to want whatever they want. And I think in some ways, like women traditionally are conditioned to not want those things or to not have those things or to not be sexual. And I think that, over time and also just like me being so out personally in my community um, over time, so many more women have been coming in and like owning their sexuality um, in ways that are like different or new to me, but I don't know how much of it is like, they're really owning it or just like, there's just more exposure in like BDSM and like the world and stuff. And it's like, you know, um, I'm just like trying to think of like the difference in like female and male clients, but it's like.
0: Well, yeah. one one thing she mentioned, and I don't know if this is your experience as well, is that um, uh, with with guys, it's it's a um, it's like a list right here. are The things I like, blah, 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 blah. Whereas uh, with women, uh, when they contact her, it's a it's more of a I can't really verbalize what I, I mean. There are all these things I really like, but I really want to be controlled. Or I really want to be, mm-hmm. you know, I, it's more of a you know, here are all the things that are on the table. All of them are great, Um, but for me, it's really about being controlled, which I can personally identify with, and and it could be a cop-out. Like, one of the things that she really hates when I do is if I, because when we first got together, it was hard for me to verbalize what I wanted because I just wanted to be hers, right? Right. Uh, I I don't, you could run over a Mack truck over my head. As long as you're doing it, I'll be very happy, right? right? Uh, which was very frustrating for her, right? Because nobody hates more than it frustrates you know.
1: me too. <laughs> like, slap her off the face, sir.
0: <laughs> right? And She hates it. She hates it, and and it's hard for it's really hard. Uh, this is one of the big, most difficult aspects for uh, you know I can I cannot understand where she what she, where she's coming from as a dominant. You know, I mean, I can't put my head, and I don't know what that's like to want to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's even though she empathizes and she knows all about this, um, when I explain things like uh, it's just about being controlled, it's about being owned, and as long as you are getting off doing it, that's like that's the thing. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But at the same time, because for her so much about it is is reaction, I know that if I express something like "Oh, I'd really like to be tied this way," or then then she knows she's going to get a reaction from me that she really likes. So there's always this constant battle, uh, in, in a lot of submissive's heads of, uh, I I don't know because part of it is you doing what you want. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, which is, I'm sure much more difficult in a, in a, you know, in a professional, well, actually professional and lifestyle with lifestyles. She can just say, look, come back to me when you're ready to Mm -hmm. whatever. Um, but yeah, I know that's extremely frustrating. How do you get over, how do you get around that? Do you say, do you say, okay, you have to pick three things, or nothing's going to happen, or what? How do you handle that?
1: Um, yeah, I, there's like several things that I do both in like lifestyle and professional play. Um, generally, what I say to people if they're they're newbies, um, you know. Uh, something like, okay, well, we're just going to do like an omakase and we're just going to try a bunch of different things. And if we find that we like this one thing, we'll keep going in this direction. And if we don't like it, then we won't do this. Um, And, you know, just kind of try things like that. And if someone's like, oh, I just want to do whatever you want to do, and it's like well, the joke with like me and my professional friends is just like, well, just give us $10,000 and leave. Like, you know. But it's like, oh, you don't right. want that? Okay, well, fine. Maybe there's something that you want now, you know? So it's like, right. okay. And then they're like, oh, well, I don't really want that. It's like, okay, but you said, you know, and then they're like, okay, fine. And then it's usually, okay, this is what I want. So it's like, I'll say like, well i like to do a lot of different kinds of things but i you know as a professional and as a lifestyle there's so many i'm such a range player of the things that i truly truly enjoy doing that i am comfortable doing a lot of different kinds of scenes and love doing those different kinds of scenes and i'm like what is it that you want to do we're only going to do the things that we both enjoy together and that really puts people at ease because it's not like oh i'm not yes it, this is a transaction, it's a service, but I'm also enjoying myself and I want to do things that I like to do too. And I'm not going to just do things to you or for you just because you want them. Um, that's not what I'm going to do. Um, you know, the other, the other thing that I do is like, I ask like, well, what were your fantasies? You know, what, what, what did you fantasize about before you got here? Or, um, you know, I asked them to tell me what was your favorite photo Um, of me like what did you look at Um, things like that and I also do um, this is more when it before I start a professional session um, is I I, if it works for the the, the type of scene which generally it does um, is I ask the client um, to look in the mirror and tell me and to give me three compliments and they have to be three compliments I haven't heard today which, you know, at the end of the day, that gets kind of hard. But um, then it's like, I can kind of dial in and understand what it is that they're interested in me about. Like, you know, it's like, I know if they're interested in my legs, you know, then I'll be teasing them with my legs more. Or if they say like, oh, your voice is just so beautiful, then I know that I'm going to talk a lot in session. And it's like, they've already given me what, what I want and they don't even know. You know and that's how I, I start the right. session and you know dial it in and also it's like getting them sort of um, you know stepping them down into that subspace um, and doing that and, and really helps me dial in and figure out what it is that they want but and they don't even know that they're telling me how much what they want so
0: right well after this uh, interviews out people are gonna be like oh I really like the fact that your father was a union organizer that's gonna be a huge thing <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, well, you know, I'd, it's it's really hard to just get people to come out for like cocktails. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> I you know, I'm, I'm like the social director of my crew, and like I'm always getting people to come out. It's like it is so hard. I said right. I'm like the social director of my crew, and it's just like so hard getting people to come out for like anything. Like I just you know,
0: there's a lot of great information about you on your website, uh, and so we'll have a link to it uh, on on this podcast episode. But one thing that struck me is that you've done a lot of mm-hmm. consulting like in for film. Um, and I know and I have friends who've done this and one of their biggest pet peeves is, you know, as someone who's trying to portray the lifestyle in a positive manner um, and that film or media, people who don't understand it are, are, that's not their goal, right? They're not, it's not usually their goal to portray something in a positive light. It, they want to make it, you know, as as crazy or whatever's going to get seats, you know, uh, mm-hmm. tickets sold. Um, is, do you find that to be a, a, a difficult thing to try to push that or it, is it... You're like, look, that's not my job. I'm just here to provide. No, I actually
1: varies. I've really not had that experience, I have to say. Like, many years ago, when I was like talking to people about doing like various reality shows, they did want to make it like very non consensual and and like wild and like you know, the, like glitzy. And just I was like, no, I'm not going to do this, you know. But honestly, all the things that I've recently done, um, it was very, I, I very specifically said, no, I really need to make sure that you understand that like this is my job, this is my lifestyle, this is very important to a lot of people, and it must be portrayed in a positive light. And, you know, most recently, I did a consult, I I appeared on Little Women, um, which is a Uh, reality tv show about little people and there's different um i I don't know if they have one for new york but they have one for los angeles and a couple of different cities and they said oh no we really want this to be about empowering female sexuality we want this to be about empowering women about taking charge of their sexuality and, and controlling their lives and stuff like that and they were very very clear about that from the start um and honestly that's been the experience that i've had um with things recently where it's like, you know, I've even other appearances or their commercials and stuff. I'm like, Hey, okay. Like BDSM can be funny. Like when it had to be like a sort of a comedic effect, I'm like, okay, this is funny. We can make this silly, but like, we can't make fun of it, you know, or like uh, other things that I've done. Like, um, I was part of a performance with like, you know, Upright Citizens Brigade and with a friend from college and I was like, look, we can talk. I want this to be funny. Like, of course, we can make this funny, but we can't make fun of people who are into this kink, you know or stuff like that, and it's right. like, um, you know, one of the funny jokes that they came up from that set was like talking about like full toilet, cause it's like funny, and like, you know, they were like at like a, um, you know, a, the scene was like a cocktail party, and they're like, hey, don't go in there, I just went full toilet, you know? <laughs> and it was like, okay, this is funny, this is like a way to make it like, okay, cause this, oh, you know, kink and even sex, like it's funny, we can, we can laugh about it, we can find humor in it, but we can't be um, making it um, negative. Um, I mean, but I did not consult on 50 shades, so I don't know what happened there. I think the the writer drove that, you know, train straight off the cliff, you
0: know? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. I it is a very, I mean, I, I guess I have noticed, uh, more frequent positive, or I should say, you know, there's that always that, um, stereotype of the, um, Helga of the SS or the, uh. Uh, the yeah. gimp outfit that's, you know, the, you know, and that person should be very ashamed and embarrassed for wanting that or something. And I think I've noticed more, you know, here and there things with I mean, it might be as small as fuzzy handcuffs, but, um, I've seen, I've noticed more and more, um, positive, uh, portrayals of kink lately. And I don't know if that's just because it's more obvious people enjoy that. Or if it's, uh, maybe more people in the lifestyle or are getting into positions where they're writing. I'm not but, sure what yeah, that it's is, more but
1: exposure, um, but I think it's, I mean, it's more exposure. Cause then there's always like someone knows someone who knows someone who does this or is into this. So it's like, you know, a, a lot of the, the sort of more mainstream productions that I've worked on, they're like, Oh, you know what? Like my friend referred me to you or like, I looked this up and I realized like, Oh, I, you know, I know you from this or whatever. So it's like, And also, like, I'm in Los Angeles, so, you know, everyone, you know, there's a lot of community connections and stuff like that. So I think it is being portrayed more, um, you know, I would hope that's also having to do with, like, more um, women being involved in a lot of the creative and writing process. I think that's very helpful. Um, Last night, uh, or the last few weeks is Outfest, and last night I went to um, a programming called Kinky Girl Shorts, and it was all all women writers, producers, directors, and all mostly female cast. And it was all kinky stuff. Um, And it was amazing. And it was great. And it was hot and and not all American stuff. Um, And a lot of it also had um, a lot of consent in it, um, which is something huge that I never see. Like, when do you see in mainstream media about consent and asking questions? And can I do this? Do you like this? Do you want me to stop? Do you, you know, let's use condoms. Like, you barely even see talk about safe sex you know, you don't even see like consent, but I'm like seeing more of that happening. And I really notice when that happens because it doesn't happen very often.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, that that, that reminds me of something. I interviewed someone who is on the West coast and he uh, has been heavily involved in the uh, gay male kink scene for like 40 years. And, uh, we were talking about you know why why there are so few um, pansexual events. The it's like the hetero scenes and the gay scene, the lesbian scene. They're 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 very divided. And uh, what he said, uh, I mean, I I'm not one to judge, but this is this is what he said. He said that in the gay male scene, there is one layer of consent um, that if and of course, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, "If you're there, that means you want to play. Uh, or if you just tell someone that you want to play with them, then you're playing." He said, "But in the in the hetero scene, uh, there are five thousand layers of consent." And he said this in a very you know derogatory term, but he's like, "There are five thousand layers of consent. You have to ask for everything." Uh, okay, I just spanked you. Now can I do this? Now can he goes? He goes, and we just don't play that way. And that's why there aren't many pansexual events. And I, I'm not familiar with the gay male scene. And of course, he's just talking about his own scene. But that surprised me. I didn't, I guess I'd never had considered that. Um, have you noticed that, that that to be true, that, that, it, that there are different attitudes toward, towards consent in different scenes like that?
1: Yeah, I mean I definitely think there is, but it's like, I mean, in terms of like the heterosexual world, like consent is not talked about. <laughs> like right. you know, right. I mean, and in the vanilla world, it is not talked about. And that's like something that I really um, try to talk to people about. Like when I, you know, give lectures and talk about BDSM one oh one and I'm like, look, I'm gonna talk to you about consent and how to do a BDSM scene, but this is what you need to translate to sex, a vanilla scene, and this is also what you need to translate to, you know, going to dinner at your, you know booze parents house like that's you know you need to have limits and boundaries and state and stuff like that um but it's like um you know i'm not i don't go to very many gay male events you know and it's like I don't know. It, it certainly seems like a lot more freer and and more sexual and, and more easygoing. But it's like, I don't know if there's like stories of men that just don't want to talk about actually like these things happened and I wasn't OK with it. But everyone was just going along with everything that was happening. And I did not want to stop anything that was happening. I don't know that, no. um, you know, and then in terms of like, um, you know, uh, lesbian scenes, like a lot of um mm, lesbian or women only events have turned into queer, um, events or pansexual ones, whether they actually say it or not. Um, so it's like turned into like all, you know, all queer, um, spaces, um, in a way that like men's only like traditionally men's only events have not turned into. Um, so that's interesting. Um, and, um, yeah, but again, it's just, it, you know, I think that sometimes it's, I think, I think we all need to aim for like the happy middle road here where it's like, I've been to events where I'm like, wow, like that was really fucked up. You know, that's not cool. Like on a huge level. Um, or sometimes I'm like, wow, there are so many rules. Like, fuck it. I don't know. I'm like a dominant, you know, I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to behave. If I see anyone else bothering me, like God help them. You know, like, I'm just like, what is this? You know, like, let's like be adults here, you know? And I think one thing it's like, uh, you know, like drinking, that's like a, you know, um, uh at play parties and stuff like some people you know definitely like I see in um like some queer parties that happen they like don't want any alcohol or like any drugs or anything like sober that is so awkward <laughs> you know like you know don't be inebriated when you're playing of course that's like not safe but like you know it's like I want to drink and I always have alcohol at my events and stuff but I also don't let people get inebriated and you know, um, right. so that's like one thing I can't imagine, like, you know, going to a gay male party and there not be beer, <laughs> um, you know, well,
0: from my own personal experience, I have friends who, I have a friend who's by, and, uh, when we fir- when I first moved to the city, I just wanted to, you know, go to all the different events and, uh, we go to the hetero events and they were all, as some say, like stand and model, right? There were, there was very little play, um, Um, And he would, you know, we he and I would both be looking for people to play with, and nothing would happen. And he'd say, "Well, I'm going to go to this uh, this gay party I know about, and I'll probably be playing within two seconds after I open the door." I'm like, "What? Holy cow!" And then I have a friend who uh, is very involved in the uh, lesbian scene here in town, and she says when she'll tell me like some of the things that happen, I'm like, "What? (laughs) That is in that like some of these like defy gravity, you know?" She's like, "Yeah." And then we opened up a wormhole and then we got the lube out and like,
1: whoa, how do you, how does this happen? But you see, that just has like so much to do with like the event thrower and like who the guests are. It's like, sometimes like, it's like, you know, as the event thrower, you need to make a space that is safe for people one. So it's like, are there rules about photos and cameras and stuff like that? Um, That's like a big one. If, if, it's allowed, guess what? People are not going to want to play, you know, that's like not going to happen. Or like, is this like uncomfortable and weird? Is it like strange in here? But also it's like the guests, like, you know, sometimes you got to make your own fun around here. And it's like, I've been to events where I've been like, wow, this is really awkward. Um, And there's like no distinguished like host or someone like sort of like, making like sort of making the rounds and like talking to people or whatever um i mean you can't do that like in a big club kind of thing you know really big but it's like they're you know dungeon monitors or something and they're just kind of like making sure like you're being extra super duper safe and here's some paper towels or something and it's like or like lighting like you know right. i've been to events like where they're we're taking over ballrooms and stuff or like the conference rooms and stuff and i'm like i feel like i'm playing in target you know <laughs> like so bright right. and it's right. like you know um yeah it, it so depends on like how much the event person is like putting into making the environment happen um it's so important that's like probably 50% and then the guests themselves are the other 50% and it's like if you have a bunch of boring people in a room it's going to be really hard for them to get anything started um you know but if you again you have to make your own fun you got to like start your own scene start your own thing and and have fun like that too so
0: yeah. A lot of times it's just, it's like, it's like a high school dance. It just takes it one is, it couple is, and it's like I, you
1: know, this is why, um, when I do certain club events, I try to schedule in like my sort of like pass around party bottom. So I was like, please like come early so we can get the party started because like that, The first one goes up and then, okay, everyone else wants to come up too. And I also do so much to make sure no one's taking photos and no one's taking videos. And, you know, I'm like violent about it. I'm like, get the fuck out. Like I'm going to throw your phone, you know, I'm just like, no, they're like, Oh, I didn't know. And I'm like, yeah, well you do now. And like, you know, stuff like that, or like the events that I throw, which are in my spaces, which again, this isn't like, you know, a thousand person club situation, but I hire professionals or people who are very experienced to run certain stations um, like spanking or electroplay or bondage so I have dedicated people who are going around and introducing themselves and talking to people and they're like hey if you want to try this I'm doing this so you can do this with me um or you know everyone can play like in you know their own stations but everyone says like wow this really makes it so easy because now I know what's like safe and what's comfortable and I know I always have the option to play and there's people like you know sort of um uh, mingling and you know built in play that's guaranteed to happen so there's no awkward high school dance I'm sitting here like you know Coke zero or whatever um, it helps like you know and also like having a host like again like I've been to small dungeon parties where I'm like I, well I don't know who's running this like you know <laughs> like you know I'm going around I'm talking to every single person there and that makes a huge difference too.
0: Saad, my wife would sometimes get uh it still happens every night, gets invited <laughs> to like yeah. vanilla swingers parties to sort of just to 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 kind of like you know d- teach 101 rope or whatever right um and uh it's funny because um uh she's always it's always the the the, the women at these parties that are mm-hmm. like as soon as she starts they're lining up right? As soon as she's like, yeah, we'll just do a little simple rope. And they're all lining up. Meanwhile, the, the guys are very intimidated. Mm-hmm. They're sort of like, that's not safe. You know, as you did fi- a fireplace scene and they're like seven guys with buckets of water standing by worried, you know, it was, just, it's very, it's, it's very funny to see, but yes, it just takes the right person to sort of facilitate and start. Um, and, but, and also it's, it's not just keeping, it's finding the right people. Cause if you go to like a private party, it's a completely different story, but, You know, we'll find like if we're gonna go to like a public event or a semi-public event, uh, she has to remind me. She she, she's like, okay, look, uh, you're not allowed to talk when a guy comes up and says something creepy to me. I'll take care of it. Because because if (laughs) because if you talk, if you if some guy, because what would happen? Like
1: a man dare approach.
0: (laughs) Well, it's not even just dare approach. It's if someone says, "Hey, nice to meet you." That's not a big deal. But what's common? It's like, um. Can I worship your feet? Like, that's the first words out of their mouth. And my words were like, ah, fuck off. You know, that's what I... Which, you know, totally... She's like, don't worry, I'll take care of it. So I'm like, I have an invisible gag.
1: Yeah. Whenever
0: yeah. Like, that happens, I'll just like kind of grumble and go, you know. What
1: but, did she say? Did she say, fuck you, pay me? <laughs> that's
0: right. what I would say. <laughs> she does walk around with that shirt. She has that shirt that she'll walk around with. So, <laughs> um, uh, Fuck you, pay me. But no, but she's just like, sorry, no, that's not it. And then, you know, she has... She has a innate way of just basically saying "fuck off" while being nice without ruining the party for everyone, which is something that I don't have. I have the just loud "fuck off" thing that, again, I'm not allowed to say anymore. But, um, but I mean, yeah, um, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking the time to shoot the breeze with me, and I hope you're willing to. I, I'm. We're willing to come back and, and do it again. I'm sure we could talk about so many more things. Um, one thing I did want to make sure we covered is uh, if someone is listening, maybe they're not a sex worker, maybe they're not friends with sex workers, but they want to support the cause to to uh, to further the rights of sex workers and get rid of the horrible laws on our books, what can they do to to help?
1: Um, I mean, I think it's just so hard right now. It's um, I, I don't have like a – I'll send you a link later to post about, like, something that's, like, the connected that has, like, basically all our articles and stuff happening. But I think the one thing is that, you know, no one really knows about this, um, you know, and yeah. even my friends who are all very politically aware and active, they didn't know about this until I discussed it with them. So I think just learning about it and telling people about it, because as I keep saying to people is that it doesn't matter if you are a sex worker or you don't know a sex worker, this is going to affect you because it's going to affect your mainstream platforms as we systematically Mm. take them all down. Like goodbye. Okay. Cupid, Tinder, like that's going to go away unless they move overseas, um, which we haven't yet seen the pushback yet. Um, So that's going to happen. That's going to affect you. But also it is the, the, bigger deal to me is that this is actually something that is not going to help sex traffic victims. It's going to make it much worse for them. And that's the message that needs to be put out there about this terrible thing. And it's like, I feel bad about like kind of like ruining people's day all the time because it's like, unfortunately we're living in a time where like a lot of really scary and bad things are happening where it's like, of course this is missed because there's so many just god-awful things happening all the time at the moment. Um, and she's like, well, hey, there's one more, um, but this is really important too. <laughs> and like, I marched with you and I supported this. And like, this is, we need to come together and like, continue to support because this is something that's making it, um, you know, really terrible for everyone. And especially those who are the most marginalized, um, you know, uh, women, people of color, uh, children. And this is, this is just awful. So just educating people and, and reading about it and talking to people about it. And then from that, more awareness and um, support can come out of that.
0: Yeah. Uh, is there is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to to plug or mention?
1: I mean, we didn't talk about my feet. You know?
0: <laughs> well, by all means. We, uh, that's <laughs> the most common know. thing.
1: <laughs> You're hot pink right now, toes. I don't know. Um,
0: you you <laughs> just made... Uh, maybe that's something we could definitely briefly talk about because that is the most common I don't I don't have a foot fetish I have like a whole body fetish so I'm like I can't understand the identification for you
1: have a (laughs) vagina fetish no no
0: I don't want to eliminate I'm saying the whole thing (laughs)
1: the vagina is part of the body yeah Um, it is
0: but but (laughs) but the but but is there a way because I've seen this in person it's just creepy, right? It's just the, the, if the first words out of your mouth are, can I worship your feet? It's just, I, then again, I'm extra sensitive, you know, but, but what is, I've had guys come up to me asking me, and I, you know, if I was into, if I was into guys, I would maybe, I would say yes, but,
1: Is it really that easy? I'm going to go to New York and just clean up. Like, yeah, sure, (laughs) hundred bucks. Right,
0: (laughs) but 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 I don't know. Like, what? How do you want to be approached? What is the right way to? How should a foot fetishist approach someone? Is there a? Is there a? Do you just say those are lovely?
1: Booking form. I mean,
0: like, (laughs) I'm
1: very strict. Even meeting new friends, I'm like, do I know you? Do you have a reference? Like, I have enough (laughs) friends. Like, I don't really, you know. Um, so no, basically like, I mean, it's, I really, um, you know, I always say my dance card is full basically because it is, you know, I have, um, you know, I play with people, um, women at, um, at lifestyle events and stuff like that. But, um, you know, any, anyone else, like it's paying clients only for me. So I'm just automatically turning it into like, Oh, are you paying me for my time? Cause that's what I deserve. Right. And you're lucky to speak to me right now. And like I do, <laughs> in like you know, fetish parties or even like out at like you know clubs or you know bars and stuff. My friends are always like, I feel so safe with you because like if someone approaches us, I was like, um, are you buying us drinks or no? You're bothering me, go away. And I'm just like dismissed, run along. And they're like, what? <laughs> right. and I'm like, yeah, I said to leave. Like I am bored. I am done with this. Like no, 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 we're over this. You know. And it's like I very quickly assess the situation and move on. But um, well. Um, well, we've been talking a lot about parties. Let me mention a couple of the events that I throw here in Los Angeles. Um, so I throw two. Uh, one is called Femme, and that is an all-women's play party for cis and trans women. Um, it's probably one of The only if the only um, women's only event that happens here Um, so mostly queer and gay women come um, but also straight women come because it's just a safe space Um, so very Mm -hmm. much needed and I was actually just approached by well several people last night that I ran into at Outfest came up to me and had come to the events and one woman in particular said thank you so much like we need women's only events like it's very important and they're just I haven't found any and there aren't that many out there so that's very important um and then I also there're another event called deviant um with my co-host and um <clears throat> that's a all gender all queer play party and that's also a very important space to have because queer spaces are important um in my community so both of those are happening and
0: I- and we'll have all of the info on Uh, from your website and any other links you want to send your Twitter which you're very active on Twitter as well and um, yeah thank you so much for doing this I really appreciate you taking the time
1: thank you so much for having me I'm glad that we could finally connect